0: Welcome to Digital Poets. In our last episode, we talked about how child sacrifice is unfortunately still going on today with social media platforms deliberately commoditizing this upcoming generation, sacrificing their humanity, their privacy, and really their their understanding of identity in the process. In this episode, we're going to figure out how we can change course and create the kind of digital landscape we want our kids to grow up in.
1: Like, this has to be advocated for. <laughs> like, there there has to be someone paying attention.
0: This is Jenny Black. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's been researching an emerging type of trauma she calls media trauma. I
1: have, like, four little definitions of it. The first one is just a really typical traumatic experience that's happened through media, which is what most people think of. Um, you know, like getting bullied or a story going out about you or something like that. The second one is an addiction to technology that keeps keeps you from thriving in other areas of your life. Um, the third one is neglect, like neglect of yourself or someone that's in your care because of your technology use. And then the fourth one, which I'm the most excited to talk to you about is an interruption in a phase of development.
0: Before we get into how these four types of trauma are shaping this, let's let's talk about why Jenny became interested in this field of study in the first place.
1: I think I set up my kids on Instagram accounts. I set up Avery when she was in fifth grade. Like I cannot tell you how much I loved it all and how, how important it was to me. So that was the world I was introducing my kids to. And they they were savvy. What I could not have anticipated is that the adolescent phase of development. When kids are in high school, their job is to develop their identity. It's, it's finding out who I am, who I am in the world. When I talk to students about this. They say their number one hardest thing for them is, is the fear of missing out is watching other people live their life and the comparison, like what do those people have that get them included? This kind of constant studying of, is that what you have to look like or what you have, how you have to talk to be accepted and to to be working in an environment that, that standards are impossible, but the people who do meet those standards can't even keep up with them. There, there's nothing to show that that is a happy way of living. Like I, f- I really feel like my kids have to be completely off of their social media feeds for, I would say, about three days before they're like, oh, I like purple. <laughs> I always enjoyed going out for a walk, like to get resettled into, oh, who am I and what do I want from life? And it, it really is, it's an amazing awakening to watch happen. And then the reverse is true. I know when they're back on.
0: I mean, I watch my kids go away. So there you have it, no evidence that this is actually a healthy, productive way to experience life. Now back to that identity thing and, and, and what it's doing to our kids. In fact, this identity thing reminds me of what Marshall McLuhan said back in the 70s a few episodes ago. The quest for identity goes along with this bumping into other
1: people in order to get to find out who, who am I, how much power can I exert, how much identity do, can I discover that I possess
0: by simply banging into other people. So, so what can be done? What does it look like to be a digital poet, you know, in a world of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and YouTube to help others find their identity and meaning rather than force them into a box? Do we, do we abandon these these platforms altogether? Is there a hope that these platforms themselves like might change? I ask Jenny. I don't know that the platforms as they exist can change.
1: They're just serving everybody too well. you know if if you are getting your validation or your belonging or um, and somebody's getting billions and billions of dollars, I just don't think anyone's gonna question the system. it's just it's so big. like there's just this whole stream of things that are just not. They're not ethical. They don't respect human human needs. They're not there for us.
0: Okay, so 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 maybe the platforms won't change. I guess the question is, the real question is, you know, how how do we change the function of social media? Because there's no doubt it can be used for good. I mean, would would the world have known about the death of George Floyd, for example, if someone didn't take a video on their phone and and share it with with, with millions of people? But what then? What about the bad stuff, the, the validation culture, the lack of privacy, the, the child sacrifice?
1: I, I'm hoping and believing in new platforms that are ethical places for people to share what they create. It wouldn't be algorithm-based. I think one of the ways um, the ethical technology is defined is that you, you pay for what you get and you are paid for what you give. I feel like it will be more more people being willing to take a long time to build up work or to share and, and to share work intentionally.
0: I find it interesting that in order to 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 prevent to stop child sacrifice today, we may have to sacrifice something ourselves as as, as sort of the grownups in the room. Of the digital landscape jenny uh, she ended our 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 time with with this this story that honestly i haven't been able to get in my head since we we talked it's 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 really it's reshaped my entire perspective as a creator as as somebody who makes things
1: my brother and my sister-in-law are um he's a musician they have a like they have to write a song every day like she does the lyrics and he does the music and like just for the practice but she was asking me she was like I really want to share these with people but like I don't want to get on social media and and so she was like what do you think and I'm like I'm like I knew that she had written these songs based on a book that she'd been reading find the author like, why don't you contact the author, send him your songs? And she was like, okay. So she found his contact information, emailed him and got an email back from him. And he was just like, I am so touched by this. If she had a social media account, it never would have occurred to her to contact that author. Cause you're like, you're just sending things out to the masses, you know, all the time. And like, when you really think about who would care, who who wants to hear this, those kinds of connections, I think in this day and time is like a gift.
0: So, you know, as a Gen Xer slash millennial, uh, kind of in between, I wake up most days sort of with this daunting expectation that, I don't know, I'm supposed to like change the world or something, like to make a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs would say. And, and what I'm realizing is that, Social media has sort of this knack for turning that expectation into this anxiety that never really gets satisfied. Like, like if I publish this this video, for instance, on on YouTube with the expectation that you know it gets millions of views, yeah, m- like maybe it, it will, but but chances are it, it probably won't. And if I if I have that as the goal in mind, then I'm setting myself up for for disappointment and what that sort of creates over time is this this really crazy like shame validation loop that if i'm dealing with that as a as an adult like i can't imagine the level that kids are dealing with that at a time that's supposed to be super formative for them where where they need to to understand probably more than ever, at any other point in their life, who they are apart from who other people tell them they should be. So what if, what if we created for a specific group of people in mind, maybe even just one person, what if we what if we changed the metric system from likes and views to depth and meaning? That's the opportunity I believe we have to teach our kids to instill in the next generation, but first we have to embody it ourselves. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Digital Poets. To find out more about Ringbeller Studios and how we can help you and your organization create fun and engaging educational content, content that your people enjoy watching and interacting with, uh, which we all know leads to better results go to ringbeller.com slash studio. We've even figured out some ways to produce high-quality content during this time where everyone is is working from home and and learning from home. So again, that's ringbeller.com slash studio. You can also pick up my book, Get Weird, at getweirdbook.com. And hey, there is a video version of this podcast and all of the podcasts so far, and it's full of clips, visuals, and, and footage that, that, well, you just obviously can't see here. You can get all of that at youtube.com slash cjcast, youtube.com slash cjcas. Or if you are a diehard podcaster, you know, go ahead and leave us a review. Um, it just helps us get, you know, uh, seen more and, and more people learn about uh, the podcast. Next week, I'll talk to a virtual reality expert who uses the medium for for something you might not necessarily think VR would be helpful for. She really changes my mind about some stuff. That's next week on the podcast.